The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Paganism, shamanism, what do these ideas mean to you? Did you know that a lot of controversial views on these topics are based upon misconceptions? Welcome to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs with Lady Red Hawk, a.k.a. Susie Peltier. We will explain these practices in depth and provide new opportunities and perspectives to change your life. Now, here is Lady Red Hawk. Lady Red Hawk, and this is Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs. Today's show is Shamanism 103, Soul Retrieval and Other Healing Tools. It's the last of a three-part series exploring shamanism, sorcery, and witchcraft with my special guest, John Caracella. Uh, today we'll be discussing the special shamanic process called soul retrieval. It's used to treat nightmares, post-traumatic stress disorder and depression, just to name a few. We're going to be getting into some of the other things that it helps in just a moment. Um, the practices of the shaman, witch, and witch doctor brought to us some core beliefs that are held in Wicca and modern paganism, namely a belief in the personal ecstatic connection with uh, the unseen realms and the divine, the assumption, assumption of an energetic interconnection and the tools to enhance and explore that connection. Shamans laid the foundation for the healing arts, herbology, psychic guidance, support, and many other practices that are commonly used in today's rituals. As the term witch doctor implies, shamans were the seers, healers, and clergy of their time. But before we meet John, I'd like to say that while there are many traditions in Wicca, like denominations in Christianity, these traditions vary widely in their perspectives and practices, and I'm not trying to speak for everybody, I'm just talking from my own perspective. Um, we do agree on two points. Wicca is a nature worship, and it has nothing to do with the devil. There is no devil in Wicca. Also, because the traditions vary so much, I'm presenting my own perspective on Wicca as a tradition I developed over 20 years called Taoist Wicca. Taoist Wicca is a spiritual coaching system as well as a spiritual practice. So if you have any questions, you can call in at 1-866-472-5795. So I, that said, I'd like to introduce Shaman John Caracella. Hi, Hi John. Hi, Susie. It's good to be back. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me on. Oh, it's Terrific to see you. We're fresh off a buzz off, off from Pantheacon, which was the big pagan Wiccan shaman conference. It was a great conference. It, it was, was a wonderful time. It was terrific. We all learned a lot and shared and got to find like minds and minds that weren't at all like ours. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> and and looks that were, were not at all like ours. <laughs> no. It's kind of an all-species rendezvous, a little like the bar scene in uh, Star Wars. Yes, very uh, so. <laughs> John is a shamanic practitioner and co-founder of Firefly Willows, a traditional heart healing arts center in Palo Alto, California. An engineer by training, John has been delving into the path of shamanism and metaphysics since 2003. He studied cross-cultural shamanism with Michael Harner and Celtic shamanism with Tom Cowan. After 25 years in high tech, he's now living a more authentic life in residence with it, resonance with his higher self. He offers shamanic healing, counseling, lectures, and workshops. He's also developed a seminar series exploring reality and healing perspectives based on his travels, work, and research. You can catch... Uh, uh, John's writing on fireflywillows.blogspot.com and the swallowtailproject.blogspot.com. So, welcome, John. It's nice to see you again. Yeah, it's great to be back. So, I, I had a great time uh, at Pantheon just uh, just at the eleven o'clock slot today. It was, <laughs> it was really nice. It was great, and and uh, it was it was I was very happy. Very happy to be there. Yes, if you ever have a chance to get to PantheaCon, it's uh, hosted every year by AncientWays.com, so you can find out all about it through Ancient Ways. Um, do make it a, a, a point to stop in at some point. It's you know really you know fun. what I like you know what I like about PantheaCon mm. and, and and I guess Ancient Ways um, as well. They run a really tight ship. It's, it's it's really well organized. It's really and it's improved high over quality the years. stuff. And yeah. I'm like, I, I I've seen high tech trade shows that were not nearly as well <laughs> coordinated as, <laughs> as PantheaCon. And it's and PantheaCon is it's so you know the people are so happy, uh-huh. right? They're not stressed out really. They're just out down there learning and having a good time and opening you know opening big circles to include people and that's great. Yeah, and they and and ancient ways. They do a great job. Yeah, and it's been, and I will say kudos. They have been improving over the years. That I, yeah, it's very clear that they take it seriously. Yeah, they they learn more about doing it each year, so Mm -hmm. it it makes it a much more efficient. So, so all you pagans out there, know that you can you can be at one with the mother and still function in in the West. (laughs) Yes, you can go to a double tree hotel and still find pagans. It's really pretty amazing. Okay. So we were talking last week about building alliances with spirit guides and power animals. I'd like to revisit the concept, um, and touch a bit on the, the, one of the foundational pieces, which is shape shifting. Okay. Great. Well, this dovetails with the, with the workshop that I did at Pantheacon, uh, this morning. Um, the, the notion of animal medicine or, or the the essence of animal medicine I feel is really uh, rooted in a very deep empathy and shape-shifting is also rooted in very deep empathy in order to shape-shift one has to become so into has to enter in a kind of communion with the power animal and that in order to enter into that communion, you have to actually allow yourself to be one with it. And that kind of, that kind of empathy is, is a gift. Okay. I mean, you certainly can be gifted with that. Um, but it's also a discipline. It's a, it's a, 
process by which you let let go of your human conceptual structure and feel your way into the the power animal into the into the animal totem and we we did um water strider medicine mm-hmm. and we did salamander medicine at uh at pantheon because and and I chose those two because they're simple right you don't have to think about or and you're, or you're and you frankly you're not you're not tempted to think about the complexity of the raven or the bear or the tiger you know you got this little bug that only appears to do only a few things and then and so it's easier to merge with it and get a sense for its perspective on the world and it really be, it really comes down to that what does the animal how does the animal experience the world and what can you learn about the nature of the world by experiencing it that way and and it really becomes a a kind of a new a new perceptual filter that you use to engage whatever you want to use that medicine for so if you're working on a you know on a client with a power animal or you're just working to solve your you know problems in your everyday world right like you're having trouble with your boss right what what would water strider be experiencing in this situation and how would water strider respond right never mind that you're human and that you have all these feelings and sensations what what would water strider do right and and so having a a uh, a capacity and a and an agility to shift into the perceptual framework of a being that experiences reality through a different instrument a different resonator shall we say right you will experience a very different way of of engaging that in that situation and you will experience a different impulsion a different a different sort of reaction and desire to respond based on the perceptual tools and the behavioral instinct instinct i guess um of the of the animal totem so in a sense your the discipline comes in because your mind is not helpful in this exactly <clears throat> so exactly. you have to slide that over yes. to to kind of make room for this other experience of an what they call non-ordinary reality yeah but, you know, Ultimately, the the, re, the experience convinces you that it's real. Yes. I, 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 just a little side note here. I went. I was doing um, at Firefly Willows. We had um, Robert Jackson, who is uh, a QuietMind.com. He was in doing Zen meditation, right? And those Zen guys, man, they are pretty inscrutable and enigmatic in terms of the language they use to to help you find this, you know, satori. Um, that, that special state of mind, you know, and, and the idea of, you know, focus on your breath, focus on your breath, focus on your breath. I realized that that was not working for me. And the, so what I started to do was, you know, how do you quiet your mind? Well, I started to go, shh, shh, <laughs> shh, right. Every time, every time a word would sort start to, to emerge in my mind, I would go, shh, right. And eventually I got to the point where what I actually realized I was doing was I was shushing not just words, but concepts. And then I was not, not just concepts, but any kind of 
discontinuity in my perception. Now, this is really shutting the left brain down because what was left, what what remained was the right brain sensing capacity. And, and when I got to that spot where I was only sensing what I was hearing, you know, the noises in the shop, the cars going by, none of that was an intrusion anymore because I wasn't trying to identify it. I wasn't trying to conceptualize it. I was just receiving it. Now, how does this relate, relate to animal medicine? Well, it is in that process of deconceptualizing your experience that takes you out of being human and into being whatever, right? And so you get to that whatever place and then your animal totem can say, okay, now we're going to conceptualize and experience as a bear or as a mosquito or as a salamander. And it was the disconnection of my English language oriented conceptualization of my human experience and sliding into the feeling and sensing of my environment that freed me to embrace those other medicines, mm-hmm. those other ways of perceiving. Mm-hmm. And having felt shape-shifting for myself, I have been known in circle to shape-shift into a dragon. It's a very bizarre experience to grow a tail. <laughs> swish it around and, yeah, sure. and, you know, know that your breath is fire and, and, mm-hmm. uh, that you, and to, to blink an eye, a reptilian eye instead of mm-hmm. a, um, uh, yeah, you're just not yourself at that right. point. Right. Now, so, moment. so now there's, this is, there's, it's very interesting. You know, if you read, um, lore about shapeshifting, right? The idea that witches or shamans or sorcerers could actually become these other animals, physiologically become them. I have never personally experienced my body changing. Uh, you know, my physical body, I certainly have felt it, um, in my non-ordinary reality self shift and change. But here's the thing that I think I have experienced once and I, and I believe is true that if you're doing the, if you're practiced in shapeshifting, you can actually take your consciousness, your, your, your soul, shall we say, for the moment, and get into a state where you are, you have the capacity to be, say, a hawk. And then you can find a real live, existing, living hawk and merge with it. And it can lend you its body. So you actually can, in this reality, exert influence and experience this reality as a shape-shifted being, as long as you're, as long as you have a, a living partner who's willing to grant you admission. Mm-hmm. And so you, so it, the stories of sorcerers and shamans actually shape-shifting isn't necessarily that their body shape-shifted. They just borrowed the body of a totem for a period of time and that then that bo- body actually existed in the environs of where they were doing their work. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a different way of perceiving or understanding shape-shifting as a real experience, mm-hmm. an, a, an ordinary reality experience. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, 
What is the difference between the Judeo-Christian definition of soul and how shamans use the term soul? Ooh, um, you're going to have to give me a little leeway here because I because I think that there are many ways of of the Judeo-Christian soul being understood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, well, uh, maybe we should thought. come back after yes, a break. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And that'll give me some time to think about that answer. (laughs) We're going to take a break and be right back. Thanks for listening. Come on back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Susie Peltier, Lady Red Hawk, offers private sessions of massage therapy, hypnotherapy, spiritual consultations, Reiki sessions, and trainings in San Francisco, California. She is available for in-person lectures as well as webcasts on a variety of topics such as stress management, holism, motivational speaking, and developing personal spirituality. Susie can also personalize a healing session or a spiritual consultation for you through Skype or by phone using hypnotherapy and distance sessions of Reiki. Susie is a reverend with the Universal Life Church and a third-degree Wiccan priestess performing interfaith pastoral duties such as hospice and family counseling, in addition to a variety of personalized rites such as weddings, house clearings, and memorials. Susie is currently taking applications for students in Wicca and offers circle trainings as well as priest and priestess initiation study programs. To find out more about Susie as a healer, teacher, and priestess, visit her website, www.susiepeltier.com. Email her at info at susiepeltier.com or visit the Facebook page to find out more about Taoist Wicca. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You are listening to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs with Lady Red Hawk. We would love to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about this week's program, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at suzypeltier.com. Now, back to Spiritually Speaking. Welcome back. I'm talking with John Caracella, a shaman. And um, <clears throat> I wanted to... Take a moment and thank all of you for listening in and for telling your friends. I've just received the stats for the show, and we are literally knocking it out of the park. Yay! Yes, great. So thank you so much for your support. Uh, because the show is doing so well, we have some great opportunities for sponsorships and guests. Um, so please, if you're interested, send your information to us at info at com. So I'm back with John, and we were just about to talk about the difference between the Judeo-Christian definition of soul and how soul is used in shamanism. Okay, so so let's talk about the Judeo-Christian soul for a second. Um, you know, when I, I was raised Catholic, so I have some I have some um, exposure to the vibe. Of, of the Judeo-Christian perspective of the soul. And I, I get the sense that the, 
the Judeo-Christian soul is like the spark of the divine that exists in each of us or that the, the pure, the pure divinity that's in each of us. And it's all, it, in a way it's kind of colorless. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, but I do mean that in a, um, a contourless way. It's almost like I don't know what to expect to feel as a Judeo-Christian soul when I no longer have a body. I don't have a sense for how much of my personality remains. I don't have a sense for uh, the color and shape and dynamic the dynamic range of the Judeo-Christian soul, other than that it goes back to God. Mm-hmm. You know, because the idea of reincarnation in, in Christianity isn't really there. It's like, well, you, you know, you die, you go back to God. Mm-hmm. Well, so, Heaven or hell. Or, 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 well, God forbid you go to the other place. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and of course, all witches, we know where we belong, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so I don't, I don't, it's, it's, it doesn't seem to to have the kind of richness per, that I don't perceive that there's an, a, a a granting of that kind of richness in the Judeo-Christian soul because it seems like well you know you do one turn here on the planet and you go back to God and so I don't I don't it's like so what was that all about <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> now I might be wrong, right? You know that there are probably Judeo-Christian scholars who would share a a very different and much more nuanced um, description of the Judeo-Christian soul. But that's how I kind of felt about it when I was, you know, learning and uh, as a Catholic. Um, once you accept the notion of reincarnation and and you acknowledge to yourself that, oh, uh, I'm I'm going around again. Uh, to achieve a, a certain kind of experience here. Then you start to ask questions like, okay, well, well why would I be doing that? Right? <laughs> and, and you might say, well, because you need to learn lessons. Right? Okay. Sure. That's, that's kind of a, not as much fun as saying, oh, because there's an interesting way of the divine experiencing the creation. When that part of the divine is embodied in a human form, right? So, so it, I kind of think that the soul is the divine's way of experiencing different aspects of the creation. And so, so, you know, you, th- this collection of experiences itself is a way of experiencing creation. So the soul's many trips through the body or through various different kinds of bodies um, is a way of accumulating a rich tapestry of experiences that then come to bear the next time that that soul energy, that divine creativity, that impulsion, divine impulsion gets a body. It has a whole tapestry of experiences that then get to experience reality. So, that's that's kind of how I see my soul now as somebody who walks the shamanic path. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so could you say 
that uh, the soul from a shamanic standpoint is kind of what helps you be you in this lifetime? Yeah. Is that yeah. Un- unique uniqueness? You know, Jack, Jack Cornfield, uh, the, the well-known Buddhist instructor here in the Bay Area, uh, it kind of says that, that I think the, the Buddhists, or maybe it's not all the Buddhists, but uh, something about what is reincarnated in your soul is all of your karma, right? It's all the, it's all the, the stuff that isn't enlightened that comes back, right? And everything else goes back to God. And I, I don't really think, I don't, that doesn't quite work for me either. No, that doesn't sit. You know, and I may have misquoted him, so, so forgive me there. But the idea that, what comes back is basically your bad karma because that's what still needs to be worked on. Um, again, that's, that's, doesn't recognize the, the beautiful tapestry of life experience in various life forms, male, female, human, animal, uh, you know, whether you were, maybe were a mountain in a previous lifetime or, you know, where your soul has gone to collect experience makes you the, fascinating and unique creature soul creature that you are when you get to have a body and come around again Mm -hmm. and so shamanically the more complete that soul is the more you you are and and when we say that you know the more complete that soul is what we're talking about is how much of that soul experience how much of that tapestry is accessible to be expressed through the vehicle of your body at any given time. And so, you know, that's why old soul, you know, so, oh, that's a very old soul. That can mean two things. That can mean many trips or it can mean uh, a soul that was here that, that had a body a very, very, very long time ago. You know, somebody, a psychic once said to my wife, uh, wow, you are really old. And, and Debbie said, well, you know, what do you mean? And the psychic said, you were around when they started naming things. <laughs> <laughs> when humans actually started to name things. Mm-hmm. Think about how old that is, yeah. right? That's, that's at a time when the idea of conceptualization, the, the compartmentalization into an identifiable name for something first started to happen. That's a long time ago. When the grunts and clicks began to mean something. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool. That was very cool. So um, in terms of um, the shamanic view of the soul, which will lead us into into talking about soul retrieval Mm -hmm. and and, other aspects of of health management, health maintenance, um, the more complete the soul is, the more it can be brought to bear through the vehicle of the body that you have. And so your higher self, one might say that your higher self is your complete soul and your higher self is willing to and excited to and delighted to present itself through your body so that the interesting tapestry of who you are gets to play in this reality and gets to experience and gets to bring its wisdom to bear on the co-creation of the reality that you're in. So good health is, uh, importantly, is a function of good soul hygiene, mm-hmm. right? And because success in this reality has a lot to do with how much of your 
higher self, you get to channel through the physicality mm-hmm. of your body. How much you also how much uh, you've nurtured the connection between you and the divine. Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and nurturing. I mean, and where does that connection exist? That connection exists between your body and your higher self, and between your higher self and all of the rest of the divine that's out there. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, there are many, there, and and probably a whole continuum of connections between your divine higher self as as a collection of different experiences right mm-hmm. how do you integrate the experience of one lifetime with the experience of another or and with the experience of this life so digest that and we'll be right back This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Susie Peltier, Lady Red Hawk, offers private sessions of massage therapy, hypnotherapy, spiritual consultations, Reiki sessions, and trainings in San Francisco, California. She is available for in-person lectures as well as webcasts on a variety of topics such as stress management, holism, motivational speaking, and developing personal spirituality. Susie can also personalize a healing session or a spiritual consultation for you through Skype or by phone using hypnotherapy and distance sessions of Reiki. Susie is a reverend with the Universal Life Church and a third-degree Wiccan priestess performing interfaith pastoral duties such as hospice and family counseling, in addition to a variety of personalized rites such as weddings, house clearings, and memorials. Susie is currently taking applications for students in Wicca and offers circle trainings as well as priest and priestess initiation study programs. To find out more about Susie as a healer, teacher, and priestess, visit her website, www.susiepeltier.com. Email her at info at susiepeltier.com or visit the Facebook page to find out more about Taoist Wicca. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs with Lady Red Hawk. We would love to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about this week's program, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at suzypeltier.com. Now, back to Spiritually Speaking. So, you're listening to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs. And I'm Lady Redhawk, and I'm here with John Casella. And we're talking about shamanic uh, soul retrieval and other healing techniques. So, John... We hear a lot about soul retrieval, and we're going to get into a little uh, a little more. But it's a particular technique used for, like any other any other medicine, it's got its recommended reasons for why you might pull that out of your medicine pouch. Right, right. So, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what kind of ailments sure, soul retrieval sure. is good for? Uh, I think the the first thing that you that you uh, look to. Um, the first, the first indication for soul retrieval, uh, is trauma. It's, 
so like the the folks that are coming back from um from armed combat when you have experienced that kind of physiological and psychological trauma that extreme violence um <clears throat> death and and uh, maiming and extreme pain that's uh car- that's that's huge right that's right there the soul retrieval is likely to be one of the on the top of your list mm-hmm. um car accidents mm-hmm. right when you've been banged around physically uh in in a sudden event like that um soul retrievals likely to be indicated as part of the um part of the path to healing abuse mm-hmm. physical abuse sexual abuse uh psychological abuse uh domestic violence um soul retrieval is is likely to be at the top of your list um so you know you basically can think of any any kind of trauma that a human being can go through or or, or an animal right i mean abused animals probably um as well are you know soul retrievals at the top, near the top of the list the other thing that is not as often referred to uh for soul retrieval are chronic long-term chronic problems um and here you can go to long-term physical problems, um, physical insults to the body uh, that have occurred over a long time. And they may not be acute, right? Um, they might be, you know, you've been, <clears throat> excuse me, you might be um, like, like, what do you call that stuff? Repetitive stress injuries, right? Um, now, that's a very mild e- example of a, a chronic uh a chronic injury or a chronic insult to the body. Um, but, you know, if you've been working a uh, machine for 20 years in a factory uh, and you, you're constantly twisting your body to the right and, you know, lifting heavy objects from that position up onto a, a belt or something like that, um, that's a chronic insult to the body that occurs over a long period of time. Um, chronic, very, very often chronic psychological insults, right? You've lived with an abusive spouse or an abusive parent, uh, or you have an abusive relationship with a sister, um, you know, a, a, a substance abuse. Even if it's even if it's <clears throat> even if it's um, not devastating in every moment, uh, you might like if you've if you've had a, a an alcohol problem for fifteen twenty years. Uh, these are, you know, the way the soul works. Um, a chronic problem is a soul, essentially a soul leakage. The soul leaks away or sneaks away in the night, little at a time. A trauma, an acute trauma, the soul fractures and pieces run away to, because they can't, they can't be present in the, in the physical situation, the physical body. So, um, either one of those vectors of, of insult or injury to the, to the being can result in, uh, the, the soul retrieval, uh, a need, need for a soul retrieval. Which is basically to, to gather the fractured parts together. Regardless of how they were lost, there's also soul theft when, uh, someone has a, a crime or insult perpetrated upon them, then, 
the aggressor is kind of taken their soul, correct? Well, uh, this is an area where um, I think different schools of thought might uh, come up with different notions. The idea of soul theft implies the idea of soul fragment possession, mm-hmm. right? Like somebody's owning a piece of your soul. That is a, that's, that's some, um, controversial ground mm. because soul possession is not possible without permission. Mm. Now, this is not blame the victim. Okay. We want to be very clear about this. There is an implied wounding that occurs when you are, when your soul is fractured. And so as a wounded being, you may not realize or understand how to revoke permission. And, you know, you, the permission may have been granted in a, in a, in a moment of, of injury and you might not realize that it's there. And, but it is, it is not, I would say, I would argue, and I think many would agree with me that, that there's no way somebody can hold on onto a piece of your soul if you are determined to retrieve it. If you are determined to be healthy and whole and, and endure all that that involves, Somebody else can't take and hold a piece of your soul without your permission. All right. Now, getting to the point of healing and, and healing yourself, you know, comes with challenges. You have to be willing to let go of things that are, that exist in your life that make you feel safe because that's how you've adapted to living without that part of your soul. So there's work to be done to reclaim your soul. Uh, but I, I would, I, you know, others may disagree. But I would say that somebody can't keep your soul peace if you don't want them to, mm-hmm. and you're willing to do the work. Okay. Now, one of the, so one of the things I wanted to um, talk about was uh, why does the soul fracture, and where does it go? Now, what what I've been shown and, and how I've learned is that the soul part leaves because the the body that because the the psyche is uh incapable of of holding itself together and keeping all of those soul parts in the presence of the body in the you know in the body in the presence of that kind of insult so it it goes and it typically goes to a place that is safe right so when we do soul retrievals we typically find those soul parts being protected by a power animal or a spirit, a, a compassionate spirit. So the, so that your soul, you know, again, if we think about the, the, the conversation we had earlier, the tapestry of the self, right? Some colors or threads of that tapestry have removed themselves from the current arsenal of experiences that you can bring to bear on your life, but they're not, they're not broken and they're not, uh, in danger, they're just set aside and, and they're being protected and, and held safe. To bring that soul part back, sometimes there's a negotiation involved because that soul part wants to know that it's safe to come back. Right? So the, so the person who's going through a soul retrieval has to be aware that bringing that soul part back, there's an obligation on the part of the client to make sure that that soul part is safe, welcomed, reintegrated, and protected. 
No, that, which makes it hard. And I, I always say this to people. Don't try to heal when you're still on the battlefield. You got, you know, you got to get to the med tent. You got to get off the battlefield in order to heal. So it is with soul retrieval in a lot of cases. You have to be willing to create boundaries away from the things that have caused you the pain. Now, if it's a trauma, an acute trauma, that's usually pretty easy because you don't have those traumas every day, right? If you went in a car accident, um, or you were abused when you were five and that's not happening anymore, then that soul retrieval is fine. That's, that's likely to be successful. If you're experiencing a chronic ongoing situation, that's a little harder to get the soul retrieval to stick. And that can be, that can be more work for the client to figure out and, and in, in conjunction with their practitioner, uh, to figure out a way to bring that soul part back in a way that's healthy and safe and whole so that it doesn't just leave again. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention about soul retrieval and soul fragmentation, and, and I really recommend to everybody, um, Sandra Ingerman's seminal work on this, um, soul retrieval, healing the fragmented self. Uh, it's a great book and, uh, it's very informative and Sandra is just fabulous in this regard. Um, read the book, buy the, get the book, read it. Um, and you'll, and you'll self-identify very quickly. Oh, I probably have, I probably have some of this, you know. Um, the thing about soul retrieval or soul fragmentation is that nature abhors a vacuum. So when a part of your soul is fragmented and leaves, there's, uh, there's an emptiness that needs to be filled. How we fill that emptiness is very interesting. And the more fragmented we are, the less of our essential self that we have at our disposal to fill our bodies, the more other things will come and fill that space. And those other things are not the right things. <laughs> right? They, we, we create the approximations, we find the approximations for those things, and that's where we find things like uh, dysfunctional codependency, you know, uh, or uh, we fill them with drugs or alcohol. Um, so, you know, you're not, you're not going to be, you're not going to remain empty. It's just that you're not going to be full of who you truly are. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not a, that's not a comfortable place to be in because it, uh, it is a place of dysfunction. Right. Right. Um, is, uh, can you talk a little bit about, we have a couple minutes before break. Talk a little bit about the aftermath, the recovery that yeah. can be anticipated after a soul retrieval. Okay. So, um, in, you know, in the, in indigenous cultures, there weren't a lot of chronic abusive stressors. Um, you know, other than the, the, the challenge of, of eating, right? You know, uh, we, they, the indigenous peoples lived in relatively in harmony with their environment and, so you do a soul retrieval and it would stick because the, the, the chronic kinds of problems weren't there. In our culture, it's more, much more difficult. So you have to do an, an integration and, um, and a re, and a welcoming and a reinvestment in that part of your soul, which often means committing to behavior changes and environment changes. But when you do that, you, you, it feels so good because it feels, you feel so much more whole. You feel more whole and you want to keep investing in that wholeness because that's the way you're supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're more vital, you're healthier, you're more dynamic, 
you're more who you are supposed to be, and so you're more successful in the world. But it takes attention and commitment to that reintegration. Right. So the soul parts, in a way, can give you a hint as to who you really are. And then the question is now, can you or will you step into who you are? Yes. (laughs) Very well said. Thanks. Well, we'll be right back. Stick with us. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Susie Peltier, Lady Red Hawk, offers private sessions of massage therapy, hypnotherapy, spiritual consultations, Reiki sessions, and trainings in San Francisco, California. She is available for in-person lectures as well as webcasts on a variety of topics such as stress management, holism, motivational speaking, and developing personal spirituality. Susie can also personalize a healing session or a spiritual consultation for you through Skype or by phone using hypnotherapy and distance sessions of Reiki. Susie is a reverend with the Universal Life Church and a third-degree Wiccan priestess performing interfaith pastoral duties such as hospice and family counseling, in addition to a variety of personalized rites such as weddings, house clearings, and memorials. Susie is currently taking applications for students in Wicca and offers circle trainings as well as priest and priestess initiation study programs. To find out more about Susie as a healer, teacher, and priestess, visit her website, www.susiepeltier.com. Email her at info at susiepeltier.com or visit the Facebook page to find out more about Taoist Wicca. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs with Lady Red Hawk. We would love to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about this week's program, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at suzypeltier.com. Now, back to Spiritually Speaking. Hi, welcome back. I'm here with John Caracella, shaman in residence for Firefly, Firefly Willows. Um, in Palo Alto, California, um, we're we're talking about soul retrieval, and in a way, the complex complexities of the work um, as it is done in modern times versus the the simpler processes that it might have been when people lived in better harmony with the environment. So. I wanted to kind of follow up with that because when you go to a, a shaman, you're going to a healer. You're going to a practitioner who's going to have prescriptions for you. Uh, maybe plant medicines, maybe uh, song medicines and so Homework. forth. Homework. <laughs> Homework, yes. And you're just as responsible to them as you are to taking your blood pressure medicine from your MD. Yes, I think that's really important. Uh, the The... You know, you, you wouldn't go to a, a Western medical doctor with a broken arm and ask him to heal you in that session. 
mm-hmm. it doesn't, right. you know, so, so we shouldn't have those same expectations of, um, any kind of healing work. And in particular, holistic healing, um, and shamanism is uh, part of, you know, that falls into that, that cauldron, uh, is a process of realigning yourself with yourself. And if the things that have knocked you out of alignment, continue to exist in your reality, then it's going to be hard to heal. So you have to be willing to make changes to the way you live. Now, that's in some ways different from Western medicine and the Western medicine mindset, uh, which is give me a pill. Mm-hmm. I don't want to change my behavior. Just give me a pill to make it go away. The problem is that what you're making go away is the symptom, mm-hmm. not the problem. And typically what you're making go away is the pain or the discomfort, which is actually a clue to the fact that you're not living the life you should be living. So when you numb the pain and discomfort, you're numbing access to information that would guide you away from it. Mm-hmm. So that's, how does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make sense. Um, so when you go when you go to a holistic practitioner, if you want the healing to stick, you have to listen to the messages that your body gives you in conjunction with the healing process. And doing the homework is part of retuning yourself to what your healthy state is. It's part of realigning you with yourself. And I think in indigenous tribal um natural primal cultures that was sort of almost automatic Mm -hmm. because you were living in harmony with nature which was how you survived Mm -hmm. so you know we have much more complex problems because we're more we are disconnected from our environment in much more complex ways and that that just makes that makes the journey to healing more interesting, mm-hmm. perhaps, uh, but certainly potentially more complicated. Mm-hmm. Great. So if we were to, and we've had three shows to kind of talk about shamanism and its pertinence in one's life. And um, so if people wanted to find out more about shamanism, wanted to contact you, um or had a particular question about something that a practitioner once told them or something mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. how would they go about me, um, uh, finding you? Uh, oh, sure. And- well, okay. So, so there's a, there's a bunch of resources out there, um, of which I am, among which I am one. Um, and you know, the, the, I point people back to the places where I was trained because the training that I received has brought me to this place. There's a lot of other ways to get trained and there's a lot of other shamanic practitioners out there who haven't walked the same path that I walked. Um, but so I recommend folks that, um, have gone through the foundation for shamanic studies three year program because I've been through it and I know it's power. Uh, and you know, the the circle that I went through that with, I know that people grew a lot and changed a lot and shed a lot of stuff and healed a lot. Um, and became different people on the other side of that experience. I also uh, suggest that you can connect with um, folks who have been through Tom Cowan's 
two-year Celtic training program. And I think those resources exist. Uh, certainly on the Foundation for Shamanic Studies website, you can find um, shamanic practitioners in your area. Um, if you if you are interested in in communicating with me, um, Firefly Willows is the place, uh, the vehicle, the best vehicle to do that. Uh, you can visit our website. Uh, drop me a note directly. Uh, my email address is john.carosella at fireflywillows.com. So it's pretty straightforward. And I will respond, um, and I'll do what I can to either help you directly or guide you to resources that uh, that can help you um, in other ways. Uh, and, you know, the kinds of things that I do, I do um, soul retrievals, I do extraction healing, um, there, you know, the, the whole notion of the vacuum that is created when you have an injury, um, we basically try to remove what has been taken, it was taken residence in that vacuum and bring you back and invest in making that happen. So, um, questions and I'm, I'm always delighted to share. Um, if you have questions, I give you my best perspective on things. Um, uh, we can have a conversation on the phone. Uh, we can talk over email. You can come to my Facebook page, whatever you want to do. Great. It's been such a pleasure having you. Thank you so, so much for coming. Susie, it has been such a privilege to be here, and I'm, I'm very grateful. Um, hopefully, I'll have a chance to sit with you again. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to be on your show when you, when yes. you get Yes, that too. That too. That'll be fun. <laughs> Turnabouts for <a> play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you like the show... Uh, go to uh, www.facebook.com forward slash Spiritual Seekers Radio Show, Radio, Spiritual Seekers Radio. And you can also like me on the Taoist Wicca Facebook page. You can support the show by checking out our online store on the Spiritual Seekers Radio Facebook page. And you can tweet Spirit Seek Radio. So I really appreciate... Uh, everyone's input and comments and uh, the wonderful questions and insight that we received. Uh, it's just been a delight. And remember that uh, thanks to all of you, we're doing great on our stats. So if you uh, are considering looking around for to be a sponsor or to be a guest, then we have some opportunities available. So remember to call to email me at info at Susie Peltier with your information. So my thanks to all of you. Remember, the magic is in you. Merry meet, merry part, and merry Merry meet again. again. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs. Please join Susie Peltier again next Monday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. Have a wonderful week.